Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. Our first question is, when should I give clients more practices to add to their toolbox? You know, there's two aspects to it. It's the client doing it and feeling some benefit. So there's that. And then the other aspect is um, whatever metrics you've come up with, you know, is that continuing to approve? If they don't have any more interest, then yes, you leave them where they, if they're happy, you just, you know, the way you talk to somebody about it is, you know, oh, you're, you're, you have an anxiety issue and here's some breath work for it. And you're going to do it in this way. And they say, oh, that worked great. And then you say, um, how do you experience that? And they say, I'm no longer anxious <laughs> yeah. or, you know, you're like, well, um, that's great. Or they say, you know, it's 80% better. You can always say, there's some more we could do. It's not necessary. It's up to you. There's some things that might be like more powerful or give you more benefit. But if you feel like you've gotten enough benefit, then, but you do have to tell them that there's more sometimes because they don't know. Think about your own practice, like asana practice, right? Like you go, you go to yoga class, you do your level one class, you get all these benefits. Imagine if someone came in in like week seven and was like, yeah, there's so much more you got to do. You're like, no, but I'm going to this class and it's really helping me. But then, you know, two years go by. It turns out you still have issues in your life, right? You haven't yeah. become enlightened from this level one yoga class. And you're like, you know, I feel like I could be more whatever. So, you know, like there's a moment where you might go seeking some more. So you're doing that in a kind of quicker way except they have pathologies so you're kind of you have to have you have to be in relationship with them where you're trying to figure out whether like this woman for instance she comes in she's like I'm having panic attacks you're like okay here's some breaths she's like I'm not having panic attacks you're like okay we won high five and then the question is do you feel like that's where you want to be or you know just so you know there's a whole world of practices that can yeah. transform how your brain works around anxiety, for instance. So would you like me to teach them to you? You know, and so that's the, you know, it's a conversation. I want to spend money coming to see me. Do you want to like take an hour at lunch to go to a yoga therapy appointment? Or would you rather just never do any of that? It's up to them really, but you have yeah. to, the thing is they don't know what you know. So it's the weirdest thing about being a yoga therapist is like you go to the doctor and you're like, man, my leg constantly hurts. And they're like, I'm gonna give you pain medication. And you go back, this happens a lot. And someone will say, the pain's like bearable now because I'm taking this medication. And usually the patient will say, is there anything else? <laughs> but yeah. yoga therapy is kind of like, not like that. It's like, wow, I can't believe, cause it's so shocking, mm -hmm. right? You're like, it's so weird. I took like, you know, breaths for six minutes a day and now I'm not having panic attacks. That's clearly what you have to offer. Cause it's so 
kind of crazy. Yeah. And then you have to be the one that's like, would you like to continue to reduce your anxiety because there's something else you could do? Like somebody, there's no way they would know that. You know, you know you're doing well when you're having appointments and you're like, I'm gonna ask Brian if I should do something different because everything's going really well. Like that's how you know you've like you've gotten where you needed to go. It's just almost confusing because it actually works, and um, you know, you know, you made the right choices because it it works. So I uh, I actually did an interview with someone today, and she asked me, um, she asked me, she's another yoga therapy school actually director, and she asked me, um, what's what's your favorite thing, or most inspiring thing? And in my answer was kind of that. It's like, and then in the practicum, people teach the things and they work, and it's like super exciting because like theoretically I've used them and they should work it's that same thing right theoretically this should be work but when you actually see it happening it's uh you know with other people it's a whole different thing is it important to use yoga therapy on yourself as a yoga therapy student I will say that um like all things it's always um better to have an outside perspective at the same time uh it's just easier and you can make better choices that way. Um, so you're welcome to toss yourself into our practicum if you want to work on that. Um, you can just, somebody will work with you and basically together you can figure it out. But sometimes it's it's just easier to see what's happening and you don't do the thing that everybody does, which is switch things up when they don't need to be switched up. That's the hardest thing to do when you're working on yourself, right? You're like... <laughs> You're like, this is working. I think I'll do something different. Or, you know, you know, it's just like your mind does funny things. But yeah, of course. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. literally impossible not to think about yourself where you're learning. A That's the big store. yogi question, right? Like, yeah. is this yeah. is this moving me towards uh, you know, in terms of that, like overall health and you know, is my for instance, is my asana practice, is it benefiting me? And what ways is it benefiting me? Um is it mental health or physical health or both? Is it the best way that I'm doing it? Or should it be modified in some way where I get those benefits? Like one, one common example, this doesn't need to apply, is that people are doing asana for mental health reasons and it totally works. But the asana they're doing is not the optimal asana for their physical health. And it just hasn't occurred to that person that maybe they could do something else for their mental health and the different, you know, they, they haven't been able to like work that out as well as possible. So that's a, I feel like that's a typical like thing that yoga people evolve into over time. Whereas when you first start yoga, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> like I feel so much better physically and mentally. How do we change how we apply the doshas in yoga therapy as people age? I mean, I think the ideas in Ayurveda are sometimes, I hate to say this, but they're sometimes better than the advice um, because we know more now than we did. So sometimes the advice is good and sometimes the advice is really good conceptually and it just has to be a little bit modified, um, which Ayurveda people do all the time, but um, for what we know now. So a good example of that is um well let's see 
One thing to look at is that you have to remember that Ayurveda is based on, it's a health science, but it's also based on kind of your spiritual evolution that includes like moving towards death in a reasonable way. So there are like these different, and it comes out of this Hindu concepts, as I understand it, of like times of life and what you're supposed to be doing at different times of life. So, you know, as you move towards the end of your life, you're, it's a more vata time to life, which does mean you tend to go more vata imbalanced, possibly. Um, it's also a time of life where from that tradition, you're detached from your family. And even if there's some traditions where like you're married and then you just kind of, you don't get divorced because you don't need to, but you just kind of wander into the woods, you know, you go your separate ways and do your spiritual thing as you get ready to die. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, the body needs more recovery time, but it turns out that we know from like Western science that we need more inputs to keep our brain and our body uh, working. So even though you need more recovery time when you're older, you could argue, and this might sound crazy at first, that you need more exercise when you're older than you do when you're younger. And then I'm gonna add this, but that exercise is probably not Ashtanga, which is a practice that Patabi Joyce learned from Krishnamacharya when he was a teenager, <laughs> right? So there's that too. So then the question is, what do I do? So that's the, that's the kind of field you're playing in. So for instance, in a Western sense, um, you could argue that um, one of your primary goals as you get older should be to maintain muscle mass because that's the thing that's gonna go and that's gonna cause you a lot of problems. So we know that in Western mass. So I would argue as a Westerner and a yoga therapist that the best time to take up, I mean, this isn't really true. You could do this at any time. Lifting weights might be when you're 45 as, as opposed to when you're 20, because when you're 20, you could probably get a lot out of less input. Not that you shouldn't exercise and we're not talking about being an athlete, but you see what I mean? So it's a little complicated. So you could argue that, I don't know, I think a lot of 25 year old people are really stressed and you could argue that Vata balancing practices might be a great idea, right? In terms of mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not really giving you an answer. I'm just showing you like the world you're living in. So for each individual, you got to piece it together. But the question that Ayurveda attempts to answer, which I think is really cool, is what's best for your health? And then what's best uh, in terms of your own development? So they have a very solid point, right? When you're and you gotta remember this was written a long time ago. So like, I don't know, I'm 50 and I have an eight year old, right? So all bets are off. Like I'm literally moving into my third stage of life according to Ayurveda, yet I have an eight year old. So none of it really makes sense. But the way it used to be, you had a kid when you were 18. And so that's clearly not a time of life where you're gonna be like meditating and sort of like getting to know yourself in that way. And some contemplative practices that kind of kept your head on straight. <laughs> would probably be a good idea and then like as you you know as you move through life you're gonna have like different sets of priorities so I'll just say for my practice for instance like I do a lot more 
as a 50 year old, I do a lot more exercise that is, does not look like asana than I ever did. And I do a lot more meditating. Well, I've been really into meditation for a long time, but you know, that's my primary goal at this point in my life because I am old enough where I'm more concerned with, uh, you could say like knowing myself as much as possible before I die. And there's like only like so many years left. Um, hopefully like 80, but you never know. I was laughing all, all it day. It is the science that. of getting enlightened in a lifetime, mm. which most Westerners don't think about. If you don't care about the speed of your evolution, you don't have to do anything. I'll just put it out there. You can just keep getting bored over and over again. And each lifetime will give you a little tidbit. And then, you know, after 700 lifetimes, you get enlightened. But yes, I'm extremely pitta in all ways. You know, the great thing about Ayurveda with all that stuff is like, look, people are older, they're drier, they're more susceptible, uh, like to wind, right? Cold. These are all like Vata stage of life things. And so you want to take all of that in, into consideration when building someone's practice, right? In a later stage of life. So younger, a lot more fire. It's like, how do you um, put that fire to good use? How do you teach somebody how to understand Pitta? That's what the Pitta balancing practices are actually about in this course. It's like, how do you actually get more sensitive and uh, understand your own Pitta part of you so that you can use that and be really effective in the world? As opposed to when you're older, right? Where you can be more ethereal. You're retired, you're sitting in the woods, staring at the river, fly fishing, right? So maybe you need more, more, uh, you know, you, what you wanted to be doing is like seeing that vata as like a, a bonus and, and using it to elevate yourself um, spiritually. How can we earn the trust of our clients as yoga therapists? Um, people come in in all different spaces. I mean, part of the skill of the job is like reading somebody and meeting them where they're at, you know, whether that's, um, I mean, I'm very clear about what we're doing and why we're doing things. I think that's the best thing I could say to you right now. So I don't have that much trouble getting people to trust me, but I think it's because, um, well, probably two things. I think it's because I, I'm fairly relatable. I don't do a, a lot of hocus pocus when they come in. Like they don't feel like they're, can I Jennifer? They don't feel like they're walking into an environment that is very foreign to them. Um, so I keep my spaces kind of neutral-ish. Um, not totally neutral. I've got a couple of deities in the corner or whatever, but like nothing like really intense. Um, I don't dress really intense. Um, so those things matter a lot. You'll hear me talk about it as you go through because I, I bring it up often enough because I think people forget and especially yoga people forget that they look and act like yoga people. Um, and a lot of people aren't used to people in yoga clothes with mats on the floor and no shoes doing whatever. So you have to kind of like meet them exactly where they are. And um, make them feel comfortable and then listen to them and then say, well, I'm, you know, really be educational and like, well, this is how things could work. And here's where we would start. 
and lots of consent. Like, what do you think about that? Does that sound like something you might want to do? Not, there's probably other ways we can do it. So I kind of build trust that way. So they're seeing that it's just completely kind of in their court. Um, and what I've definitely learned from experience is I usually have to go slower than I want to, you know? So it's very clear to me that I might be doing something very simple with someone for a little while, that's fine. And, and I've also seen the efficacy of having someone have successes. Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review, and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.